old Pastor Roy here. I asked Craig, I said, we have this time of prayer, but never have I heard anybody saying anything about answered prayer. And I said, I'd like to share about what's happened to me recently, answered prayer. And it's also going to be somewhat of a warning to Pastor, because at one time he said, you guys stay together, Roy and young Roy. So there was young Roy, tall Roy, handsome Roy, and then there was me, old Roy. And he warned the people about that. And Craig, I want you to notice that the handsome, tall Roy has already moved out of his spot. So you just need to be aware. Uh, all the rest of you guys are pretty nice to him. But I'll try to make up for that for the rest of you. Anyway, um, I have been, I was sick. I had a, what it, what it amounts to is the blood in the side of my head turned into sludge, and I needed an oil change up there, and it wasn't working well. And it's, that's, that's the terms that, that fit. The actual term for chronic bilateral subdural hematoma. And I regret that the only big words I've learned lately have been from the doctors describing my health. <laughs> but I want you to know I, I truly appreciate my wife uh, just for spending her time with me, the fact that she was the one driving me back and forth to everywhere. And I have to share with you that uh, regarding my prostate cancer, I saw the doctor this week on Tuesday, and I no longer have to take the hormone therapy shots. And those, th listen, if you ever get to where you have those, you think, oh, that can't be so bad. Well, the last time I had it, it just knocked me for a loop. And on Wednesday, I saw the VA doctor. And I had had blood tests done for her. And we saw her and said, well, everything looks good. We'll see you in a year. And we both go, a year? I mean, when you're starting these health problems and they say, we'll see you in a year, that's a really good sign. But I think a lot of that is due to the fact that there were people here that were praying for me. And when you look at this list that's on here, prayer works. It makes a lot of difference. And I am so thankful that I'm part of a praying church. I like the fact that they put a different name on here most of the time for this month that we're praying for these people. We're praying for this missionary. This time is on here for the neighborhood, feed the neighborhood, and for the welcome table. And to be part of a church where they gave over $3,000 over and above everything else to feed their neighborhood. And Lori and all of her work for the welcome table, the food and the number of people that they serve. It's reaching out to our community and it's answers to prayer. And I just want to 
say thank you to the church for their goodness for us and the fact that we've been accepted here, that we're loved, and we're cared for. We're still working on the preacher, trying to get him to be nice to really old people. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to make it or not. But I just want you to know that uh, I come this morning to offer praise to our Lord. And if you've got needs, let somebody know. Because some of us, there ain't too much we can do but pray. But God answers prayer. God answers prayer. I got a note from somebody uh, that on next door thing that's on Facebook, they said they were looking for a Baptist church and several people mentioned Emmanuel and I said, we love Graceway. Come and join us. We're having a cornhole tournament and ice cream Sunday night. So I don't know if they like to play cornhole, but most everybody likes ice cream. And she says, I'll be there. So just doing little things, we can reach out to the community that people want a place where they can come together and worship. And I am so thankful for this church. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that we can come here today. Thank you for the rain that we've had recently. Lord, I just want to thank you for this church, its leadership, and the fact that the name of Jesus is proclaimed. Above all, thank you for the generosity of all of the people. Thank you for their friendship. And Lord, help us to be open to you. If there are needs, let them be known because prayer works. It's answered. I pray for the missionaries that we've seen on the slides this morning. I pray for the Feed the Neighborhood as well as the uh, Sunday night feed that's coming up. Thank you for the people behind the scenes who do all the work that keep this church going. Help our pastor to be strong in the word. Be with the, the leadership and watch over them as well. Thank you that we have a church that's faithful to you. May each of us be faithful to you in our lives. Thank you for your marvelous love. And thank you that you're still changing lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
That's fine. If you want to get a little head start, whoop, which one is that, me or that? Oh, you're hot everywhere. I got to. That's what happens when you let your brother-in-law borrow your microphone. I'm going to have to get on him for that. Kevin's, Kevin says thanks for welcoming him so warmly. He had a good time. He also told me he spoke for 55 minutes. I know. I watched. <laughs> he, did, he didn't have to tell me I went. And he said, I did it, so they'll be glad when you came back. Be glad. Uh, okay. Well, whatever it takes. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, so my goal today is to go under 55 minutes. That, I don't think I've ever done that before. I've done a lot of crazy things. Not that. <clears throat> got new slides, got a new series that we are starting. I'm calling, I'm just calling today's sermon a journey, uh, a trip, because a great journey is, oh, there's Roy. <laughs> when he said he was back, he was not exaggerating. Uh yeah, he's really excited for the cornhole tournament tonight at 5.32, so I don't know what we're going to get by then. He's going to have a nap, and he'll be hyper, he's going to be insane. So we're starting a new journey, and uh, a good journey is an adventure. It has, uh, has a beginning point, has many, many steps, and then a destination. And perhaps the best thing about a good journey is the unknown. And along the journey, it's not just getting somewhere, it's, it's how you get there. There are new sights, there are new sounds, there are new smells, tastes. It, it should be an adventure, and enjoying the trip along the way is part of the fun. And if you know everything, there's always something else to learn. There's always something else to notice, no matter how many times you watch your favorite movie, you should be able to catch a nuance or a phrase. No matter how many times you go on a trip to the same place, you camp in the same area, you go, you go visit your, your family in the same place, there's, there's, if you're paying attention and if you're seeing it as an adventure and a journey, you're always going to learn something new along the way. Be the kind of person who is open to learning new things. Do not become a stick in the mud. Sticks in the mud stank, and eventually they rot, and they fall over. It, don't be that person. Look for some adventure. Look for something new. Over the past four months or so, uh, my personal reading, podcasts, preaching, um, have taken me on an unexpected journey, which has, has taken several things I already knew, but, but I'm seeing them work together in a new way and i'm going to try and take you on that adventure now the ultimate purpose for all things we know is to all things are supposed to bring glory to god all things are to show that god is holy righteous and awesome everything is designed to make god look good and when something in this world doesn't make god look good there's a reason for that and he's going to fix it eventually our purpose individually is to bring glory to god to to find in god our greatest 
treasure. So, us loving him ends up bringing him the most pleasure because when we are fully captivated by God, we are making much of God. That's how it works. The more we appreciate God and love God, the more attention he gets. That's our purpose. We are designed to give God glory. Jesus teaches it this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, not an everyday word, but a good word. If something is being hallowed, it's being exalted, lifted up, made much of, glorified, praised, declared, celebrated, cherished. To truly, properly hallow God's name is to love Him. And when you love something, it has you. Its hooks are deep in you and you can't think about anything else. When you really love something, it has your attention. When we love God, He has our attention. That's what He wants. He is not a God who's just interested in all these side rules that you do this, you do that. He wants not your obedience. He wants your heart. Because if He gets your heart, the obedience flows naturally. When you love God, you will not have any other God besides Him. When you love God, you will not want to lie to your neighbor. When you love God, you will not want to use His name as a cuss word. When you love God, you will not want to covet anything of your neighbors. When you love God, it becomes easy to honor your parents. It's not do all these things and then you love God. Wrong. Learn to love and focus on God. And the things of life fall into place like that's what we were made for. Funny how that happens. The journey I'm taking you on is a wisdom journey. A wisdom journey. Because wisdom is not merely making right decisions. Wisdom is seeing God as so good that you choose him and you choose the things that help you go closer to him wisdom is choosing god it's not just knowing which choices to make we need to know that god is beautiful that god is gracious and that god himself is always worth choosing if we choose god and if we will stop grasping for things that are not him, then he will work all things together for good. Because he is good. And the mutual love between God and his people will fulfill our purpose for being here. So I'm excited to take you on this journey, but there is a big danger. <laughs> There's a big danger. And the most dangerous thing about this journey is me. I'm trying to teach you something that I am actively learning and I have not arrived yet. And I may not communicate what I've learned 
efficiently. But don't fear, because as we open the Bible, as we look at passages together, as we uh, see some old truths, as we get a new perspective on some old truths, I am confident that even if I can't lead this journey correctly, you are going to learn something. God is still going to be found by you if you search for Him with all your heart, if you will come ready and eager to learn. I may fall short of helping you see how everything fits together in my mind, which is a scary place sometimes. So I'm the biggest danger here. Look beyond the danger and look for God. If you, you really search for Him, you'll find Him. If you want wisdom, He can give it. Um, problem is, I'm your cruise director. We'll see how that goes. <clears throat> what are we going to explore in this series? Well, we're going to ask, what is wisdom? How does the Bible talk about wisdom? Who in the Bible exemplifies wisdom? How can wisdom differ from story to story? How can somebody be wise on one page and then act like an utter fool on the next page? Like, how is that possible? Wait a minute. How am I that guy? How am I sometimes making wise decisions? And then why do I sometimes make these foolish decisions? What is it about wisdom that, that makes it so elusive or or so foreign to me sometimes. Sometimes I embrace it, and sometimes I reject it. Sometimes I want it, and sometimes I want to go do my own thing. What is going on? It's called the Christian life. How do I ask for the right kind of wisdom? And how do I know when I've received it? And it's all throughout the Bible, from page one to the very end. Write this down. Wisdom does not begin in Proverbs or with Proverbs or with Solomon. There are specific books of the Bible called the wisdom literature. That's because they are densely packed with a lot of wisdom, almost nonstop. A lot of, and it's very practical. It's very uh, earthy, salty sometimes. That's why we like those books. They're very much, yeah. They're helpful. So it's like a, it's like a to-do list, except it's not. We're going to talk about that. Wisdom goes way back to the very beginning of all things. I've got some Bible verses I want to read. You can you can flip if you want to for some of them. The first one's going to be in uh, Jeremiah chapter nine. We're going to look at two passages in Jeremiah nine and Jeremiah ten. Uh, then I'm going to read from Proverbs a little bit. We're, we're gaining a perspective here, and we will turn to the New Testament and look at some passages, just laying a foundation for wisdom and the idea that it is bigger than just the book of Proverbs. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Thus says the Lord. Whenever the Bible says that, your ears should kind of, oh, okay, this is God talking. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things 
I delight, declares the Lord. So in this pursuit of wisdom, in this journey, we need to be careful along the way that we do not latch on to any particular promises. We do not latch on to or boast on any individual nuggets of truth and knowledge and insight and wisdom and miss God. We are a people who boast in knowing God, not just knowing the ways of God, not just knowing the things of God, not just knowing principles from God, not just knowing laws from God, but knowing God. Do you see the difference here? This pursuit for wisdom is not just for information. It's a pursuit after God. That's why this is important. Turn a page to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah 10 verse 12. Talking about God as the Lord above all things. It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom. Oh, that goes back to the creation of all things. God's wisdom has created all things. It didn't just show up when you turned to the book of Proverbs. <laughs> That's not when wisdom started. It started with God. It's there at the very beginning. He stretched out the heavens by his understanding. I like that. Proverbs 8.22 says, I, wisdom, was with the Lord when he began his work. Long before he made anything else, wisdom was with God. Wisdom says in, in Proverbs 8.27, I was there when God flung the skies in place, when he stretched out the horizon over the oceans, when God made the clouds above and put the deep underground springs in place, I, wisdom, was there when God ordered the sea not to go beyond its borders. I was there when he laid the earth's foundation. You see, the, you see how wisdom is an eternal quality and characteristic of God that's always been there. That's what we're looking for. Something eternal, not just something practical, not just something that, how do I raise my kids? There are some principles that will give you wisdom on how to raise your kids, but you know what your kids need most from you? You, to know God. Because if they don't get that, I don't care how fast they clean the room or what good grades they get in school. If your kids don't see you loving and following and cherishing God above all things, you have missed the point. And the point is not for you to make them little yous. They need to see in everyday life what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then, as much as they might break our hearts, we have to give the little boogers a chance to choose for themselves. We can't make them do anything. But if we love God and show our family and our neighbors and our community that God is good all the time, then they will learn that God is indeed good. Whether or not they choose him. They can't, they can't ignore our testimony and what God has done for us. So the search for wisdom is a search for God. Write this down. Because wisdom is not simply a piece or a characteristic of God. Wisdom is an extension of His very person. When you find wisdom, you find 
God. You find him. You find him. Think of wisdom like grace. When we go to God for grace, we are not receiving a little ticket. Grace is part of who God is. It's also like love. When we go to God for love, he doesn't just give us a little bit of love. The Bible says God is love. When he loves us, he's giving us himself. He's giving us what we need. That's, that's how we need to see wisdom. He's not just giving us a piece of him. Real godly wisdom is having him. Just one other way that we talk about it is we have wisdom. And we have the ability to understand what he wants and the ability to, to make wise decisions, godly choices. But it all emanates from who he is. And we're not pursuing one attribute of God or one piece of God. That's what I'm seeing. When we are on a true wisdom journey, we are step by step by step finding God everywhere and in all things. That's what's blowing my mind. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 1. Because it's not even just a Solomon thing. Solomon's going to get a lot of credit. What well, makes sense? He prayed for wisdom. God offered him riches, long life, and fame. And, and, and Solomon said, I need wisdom. <laughs> he was like a 30-year-old man who said, I am a child when it comes to ruling all these people. God help, and God answered. But that's not the beginning of wisdom, nor is he the only person who understands wisdom. In Psalm 1, David, I'm attributing this to David. This sounds like him. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, God's words. And on His law, they meditate day and night. What's that person look like? He is like a tree planted by streams of water, roots going down deep, finding all of its nourishment, everything it needs, and drawing it up so that it yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is a wisdom psalm. And it doesn't even use the word wisdom. But this is the life of wisdom. It's got a few don't, don't, don'ts. And it's got a whole lot of be planted and rooted and grow slowly the way and the direction God wants you to go. That's wisdom. Where the whole Bible is aiming us towards God, calling us towards God, calling us on a journey to know our Creator, Know our Creator, not just know about Him. Not just know enough to do really well in Bible trivia. 
you can memorize all the cards for Bible trivia and miss God. This is not about knowing all the details. Well, I'm not smart enough to have wisdom. You don't have to be smart enough. You need to know God. In fact, that might even be an advantage for some people, that you don't get hung up on your own ability to process and learn information. Even the most humble mind can appreciate God and His wisdom. It's amazing. And we're learning on this journey to surrender to our Creator. Surrender to our Creator. Not just surrender to a bunch of laws, a a bunch of regulations. No, we're surrendering to God. And when He has your heart, He has all that He needs. And on this journey, we're learning to love Him. Not just love His blessings. Not just love the benefits of getting closer to God. And there will be benefits. When you do your finances in a godly manner with godly principles, it works. But not always, book of Ecclesiastes. Sometimes disaster comes even on the most wise who do everything right. But you can still draw close to God. So we're not just here for his blessings. I want to find him. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. This one should be a little familiar. Philippians 3.10. This is this pursuit of wisdom. I heard it over and over again in Paul's writings. Because <laughs> Once you start looking for wisdom and wise sayings and people, and you look for examples of people who want to know about God, you're going to start seeing it everywhere. It's going to become super evident in the Psalms. The Psalms are are part of the wisdom literature. It is people crying out for more of God, not just deliverance, not just forgiveness, not just in repentance. They are crying out with hearts that need more of God. And anytime you get the heartbeat of, I need more God, that is somebody who is looking for wisdom on how to live this life and how to find God in the middle of this life. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. I hear it with Paul. Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I might share in his sufferings, becoming like Jesus in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's Paul's way of talking about his personal wisdom journey. He's not looking for ten hot principles on how to raise a church. Five ways to get your deacons to serve more. Like, he's not looking for these little sound bites. He is looking for God. So no wonder Paul ends up being the Christian sound bite machine. He he starts churning out all these clever phrases and sayings, but it's not because he's trying to be clever. In fact, he's trying to be really, really simple. He's trying to focus on the gospel. He's trying to just focus on the cross, what Jesus did, who Jesus is, and that's the secret of deeply spiritual Christianity, your pursuit to know God, the Father, the Son, 
and the Spirit like you never have before. It will change your life. Don't, get, don't stumble over the things you don't understand. Focus on the things you do understand. When you are convicted, act on it. When you are guilty, confess it. When you see a need, help meet it. Or pray for them that somebody who could meet it would come along. Entering into everyday life, because God is there. He's there in everyday life. So Paul is not talking about knowing the facts. He's not talking about memorizing verses. He's not talking about performing good works. Paul himself is on a life of adventure, adventure, a long, slow wisdom journey. So how can I be like that? How can I grow like Paul? Here is how. Long, slow, deep, daily, meditation, thinking, and prayer. Write those down. How can I grow? Be in it for the long haul. And don't expect to grow everything today. And don't expect things to go at your speed. Slow. Slow. God intends to use your entire life to help you know Him. Deep. That means thinking about things you don't want to think about. Namely, death, suffering, loss. Those are part of the human experience, and we need to wrestle with those things as we talk to God about those things daily. If you aren't close to God, if you ever don't feel spiritually close to God, one of the first things I'm going to ask you is, what are your daily habits for chasing after God? Mm. 80 to 90% of the time, that's where I can put my finger on your problem. It's you. You're not putting in the time. You're not putting in the effort. Why would God reveal new things to you when you're not even doing the things he's told you to do? And it's not just prayer. I want to put the word meditation in there. Because that is, that is the idea. That is... The process of, of internalizing something, remembering it and repeating it to yourself. You might call it memorization. You might call it reflection. You might call it devotion. It's a slower pace. There are times in your life when you need to study the Bible and read chunks. But there, every day there needs to be a moment where you pump the brakes and just think. And just think about what you did yesterday and, and evaluating it with God's help. God, should I have done that? What could I have done differently? Okay, thinking about tomorrow. What's about to happen today and tomorrow? And thinking and meditating on it. Your brain is fascinating and amazing. And if you sit down and think hard enough about things, you can begin to see connections being made. You can, God has made you that way. Use it. Don't abuse it. The world is making information very simple. 
And we don't dwell on things very more, very much anymore. We want a meme. We want a funny. We want a joke. We want this. And we don't, we don't stop and think deeply. This wisdom journey we are on, if you really want to go on it with me, you're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to change the way you think and not let all the cares of this world rise up, choke you, drown it out. Long, slow, meditation, deep thinking. Because this is the life Jesus lived. This is the life David calls us to in Psalm 1. This is the life Solomon is going to beg us to follow in the book of Proverbs. This is the life that God called Moses and Joshua to live in the desert. This is the life that God called Noah to live and Enoch to live. This is the life that God set before Adam and Eve. Daily, deeply, slowly, spending long amounts of time with God, pursuing God. And the second they didn't, they were in trouble. Same is true for us. So God intends for humanity to grow in wisdom by drawing near to Him. Write that down. God intends for us to draw near to Him. Now I'm about to do a tease for next week, okay? So if I don't flesh this out, that's, that's my job next week. And it comes from a quote from a book that the ladies are working on right now on their Wednesday night. The book is called Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God by Dallas Willard. Listen to this quote or follow along on the screen. In the progress of God's redemptive work, communication, that's God talking to you, communication advances into communion and communion into union. When the progression is complete, we can truly say it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And for me, living is Christ. So we're going to develop that next week. And in your, in your outline, I've got the word communicate. And I've got communion. The third word is union. So highlight those. There they go. So write, make sure those words. It's union is our goal. Where we reach the heart of God. Dwell with the heart of God. And we take the heart of God with us into everyday life. This is how God works. He communicates with us. And God communicates with us. So that he can invite us into more, a deeper communion. God communicates with us, not so we stop here. He communicates with us so that we go from here to thinking about Him. And then the more we think about Him, the more we think like Him. That's what God wants for you. He wants there to be a supernatural, spiritual marriage between Him and His church. That's why he talks about the church as his bride. That's why we are a building of living stones built together where God dwells with us. All these metaphors in the New Testament are pointing to the fact that God wants to communicate with us, draw us into communion with himself, 
and then marry us. Be with us. Spend time with us. Lavish his love upon us and we respond appropriately. Cherish us, pursue us, and then we cherish him. I am my beloved. I am my beloved's and he is mine. That's wisdom literature. That's what the song of songs is all about. It's a pursuit between us and God. A relationship. Not just an exchange of information. Don't let wisdom stop there. It is supposed to be a union of hearts. Jesus prays for this union in John 17. John 17. I'm going to turn there real fast. John 17. So I bookmarked it so I can. Boom. John 17, 20. Listen to this. Jesus is praying. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, Jesus, and I am in you, that they also may be in us. That's the language of union. That's what he's talking about. Jesus wants all of us to be one with him and the Father. That's the language of union. And then in John 15, he basically says the same thing, but with a different figure of speech. John 15, we talked about marriage. Uh, we've talked about uh, a temple, building of living stones. John 15 is the image of a vine and branches. In John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, To you, abide in me. Rest in me. Find your life in Jesus, and I will abide in you. Just like a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. You are the vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you will not find eternal life. This is union. This is wisdom. This is glory and honor. Write those down. The glory of God will come in you finding union with Him. The Son of God will be honored if you find your union with Jesus and with the Father. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what's going to bring God a lot of glory and honor. We've been handing out that book, Gentle and Lowly. If you don't have the book, Gentle and Lowly, we've got extra copies along the back wall over there. Uh, the premise of that book is from Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you, weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, learn from me. Come, learn. Jesus says, you will find rest for your soul. How's that possible? Because he says, my yoke is easy. And my burden on your life is light. If you think Christianity is hard, you need to spend more time with Jesus. He makes it easy. He makes it about Him. Not about all the things you can't do, but about all the things He can do. This book is going to show you 
There's a lot you can't do. That's the point. But we don't stop there. We use this communication from God, and we commune and spend time with God, and we ask Him to be our life. We ask Him to be our light. We ask Him to be our bread of life, living water, light of the world, great physician, good shepherd. You see how that works? He is everything we need. Search for Him. Spend time with Him. Commune with Him. And over the process of your life, He wants to find union with you. That is a beautiful thing. So next week, we're going to talk more about that, that journey from communication, communion to union. And then the week after that, I'm going to go way back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 to show you that that's the beginning of the wisdom journey. That's where we're headed. Let me conclude with, you got three more questions at the bottom. Three things to end with. And I'm going to ask you about your own spiritual life right now. Not about your mom's spiritual life, not about your neighbor's spiritual life. You, this is you, think deeply about yourself. Your own spiritual life right now. Where are you? (laughs) Are you allowing God to communicate to you on many different levels? Are you allowing God to communicate on many different levels? Well, yeah, Craig, I read my Bible. Good. That's one level of communication. Well, I'm also in church. I'm hearing it taught and preached. Good. That's the second level of communication. Well, I also go to this small group where we talk about it. Good. That's a third level of communication. Oh, I've got this person I meet with, with for coffee on, on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Like, Good. That's another level of communication. God wants to speak to you on many different levels, not just one. And you need all those levels. He is extremely creative. And if you ignore him, he will find a way to flatten your tire. He'll find a way for you to lose your job. He will find a way for you to have something happen to shift the way you're looking at life so that you come back to him. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? Most of the time, it's for God to get your attention. Because pain and suffering does not derail him from his purpose for your life. And he also knows pain and suffering will not stop you from pursuing him. In the words of old Roy, if all you can do is pray, that's all you need to do. If that's the point you are in your life where you can't serve, you can't get out, you can't even get out of bed and you're watching this or listening to this because you can't do anything else, I got good news for you. You can still go on this journey because it's not about all the things you're able to do. It's about chasing after a God who is pursuing you. He wants to meet you at every stage of your life. You need to allow him to communicate to you on many, many levels. The more, the merrier. And don't be the one who does all the talking. (laughs) Prayer needs to be a moment where you also shut your holy mouth. And listen and be calm. Number two, are you spending time alone with God every day? I like... uh, I like hurting people with that (laughs) question because it hurts me. I can get so busy, have so many things to do. And before you know it, you realize 
I have filled up my life with so many other shallow things. Or, God, I'm filling up my life with so many important things. I need to provide for my family. I need to get that job. I need to, I need. One thing, Martha, is required for me. Sit at the feet of Jesus longer, more often, and with more tears. When you find yourself cleaning his feet with your tears, he hears you. Don't fill up your life with the wrong things. It's painful. There may not even be any room in your life for prayer. Make room. Find room. It's more important than you think. And it's more life-changing than you can imagine. Last one. How much joy and peace do you really want? I want a lot. I want all of it. Good. Stop looking for it. You don't find joy by looking for joy. You don't find peace by trying to find peace. Who is the God of all wisdom? Yahweh. Who is the God of all peace? Yahweh. Who is the Savior with all the joy that you need? Jesus. Instead of looking for joy and peace, look for God. That's the wisdom journey. Begins with communication. I hope it leads you to communion. My unprofessional opinion. Hmm. I would guess, guesstimate. 80 to 90% of Christians never get out of the communication box. They go to church, they read their Bibles. They go to small groups, they sing, and they live moral lives without ever taking the step to move towards it a relationship with God that is communion where they're spending upwards of an hour a day alone with God. That's when you enter into communion with God. It changes things. And then there are even fewer people. We read great books by these people. We read good stories about Daniel. And we wonder how in the world a lion's den. Daniel had union with God. He lived long enough in his life. He absorbed the ways God communicated to him. He absorbed communion with God. He would pray three times a day, even if it was going to get him killed. Nothing would stop him from communing with God. And no wonder he found union with God because he made the sacrifices it took to put God first in every single area of his life. And he did not care who you told him to bow down to. He would not. What makes a human that strong in their faith because it's not Daniel who's strong it's Jesus who's strong in him it's God who is strong in him and that God can be in you go for it go for it go for it imperfect guide who is not there yet I'm just seeing it ahead of me and I want it Come with me. Let's go for it together. Stand with me and let's pray.
Bow your head, close your eyes. How much communication is God trying His very best to bombard your life with? Do you have a Bible? Do you have a church home? Do you have a small group? Do you have an accountability partner or somebody you can meet with regularly or at least monthly or when you have the darkest periods of your life? Do you have a Christian that you can bounce your ideas off of? Do you have a small group of believers that will pray about your career and the choices you have to make? Or are you doing everything by yourself? Kind of the American curse to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We are not made to live that way. God, we come to you right now and we say, help us to listen. Help us to listen to you speak to us through your word. Help us to hear you speak to us through the songs that we sing, through the activities we are busy with, through the sermons that we hear. Use your word to wake us up, God, so we don't waste our lives just trying to find joy and peace when what we really need is time with you so you can reveal yourself to us. And if we get lost spending time with you, seeing you work miracles to take care of all the other things in our lives, look to the lilies of the field They don't toil or spin. And yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not as beautiful as a simple flower. Your heavenly Father knows you have needs. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all the things of earth that you need will be given to you. Not earned by you. Not deserved by you but given as a blessing from a father to a child. Who in childlike faith say, God, I love you, and you're enough. Is God enough for you today? Tell him that right now. you feel far from God today tell him that right now if you want to draw closer tell him that right now and as we sing let it be an extension of this prayer God we need you we're thankful we're grateful our hearts are open move and have your way with us today That is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. The mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary The perfect Holy One cried.
your son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me your blood has washed away my sin jesus thank you the father's wrath completely satisfied jesus thank you once you're
benediction for today from Romans chapter 8, verses 33 through 36. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. I'm going to go ahead and read a couple more verses. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are dismissed. <laughs>